When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in. Where's huddle with me, Bram, and with me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxine. How's it going? Maxine, I'm fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, a long time. Golden State fan with ties to Warriors World, a former member of Uninterrupted, the current host of the Wrestling Pod and podcast manager at The Ringer, and a guy who recommends that you watch all of the Fast and Furious movies in a single 20-hour setting, That's Mr. Right. Benjamin Cruz. What's going on, Ben? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. Uh, two things. You should absolutely do that for the Fast and Furious. Uh, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't. I've done it uh, not multiple times. I've done it once, and uh, I was convinced I was part of Vin Diesel's family, too. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that the deadline really it really messed with my brain today because it's all i've been thinking about for like the last couple of couple of weeks and uh i'm glad to have had that fast and furious break (laughs) honestly that tweet i was like oh a non-sports or wrestling related tweet i'm going to fire this off immediately so but thanks for having me back honestly this is you're right it's been too long and i was a little afraid to come back because the last time i was on i believe they were six and two the warriors (laughs) and went on to just complete shit is that uh is that a you know an accurate way to put where their season has gone professional analysis i mean yeah Uh, i'll I'll look up the numbers to to back that up but literally i I distinctly remember doing that pod and just (laughs) is chris chris paul who's gonna build the statue uh and then all of a sudden you're just like well um is clay still is are we gonna burn his statue you know so it just kind of went to a weird weird conversation I'm pretty sure that pod was entitled, is this the best second unit who has ever played basketball? So we may have been (laughs) off. I think that's correct, Um, yeah. Working backwards, I can only hope you spent that 20 hours awkwardly holding a Corona as you entered Vin Diesel's family. I mean, nicely playing on you. Um, And then finally, and it ties into what you were just saying about Clay, Ben, you've been fucking hand-selected for this episode. All right, we we are going to have what could be an emotional and difficult conversation about Clay. It's a conversation I know we've had to head. Um, I've just been kind of weird about it. And I needed somebody who goes way back from the uh, with the team, right? Someone who's got a relationship with these boys that goes back decades and the actual player himself. And then also the emotional IQ to sift through this shit, right? Not, not just immediately turn our back. So yeah. we've got a clay segment, but also we're about five hours removed from the trade deadline. So it'd be fucking crazy if I didn't at least ask you something about it. Yeah. So not a big move. Really, it's just cost-cutting. The Warriors got rid of Corey Joseph, saved about $11 million 
in the process. They sent him out to Indy, who they're playing right now, uh, for a second round pick and some cash. So, I mean, we got a little bit of time to see how everything plays out and whether or not Wiggs is back. But what do you think, dude? You know, they stand pat. Are you happy with the call? I mean, I understand it. I'm not necessarily happy with the decision just because this whole season felt like something's needed to change. It just had some weird juju, right? It's, it's, they're not necessarily at the bottom of the Western Conference, which that would be, I guess, a, a catastrophe. But by normal, or I guess within dynastic standards, right? Not great. They have the highest payroll in the league and they're fighting for a play-in spot, like the last play-in spot. So oh. the, by by that standard, was hoping for something. I, I, I wasn't expecting a, a seismic trade. That's just not what they've done historically at the deadline. But even, you know, I, I, I threw out, or, or sorry, I forgot who threw this out at me. It might have been at me. Was could, could Andre Drummond come over? Like it's, he's, he's not the perfect fit. He, yeah. he m might even be a bad fit for what the Warriors need. But he's he's a guy who's got some size, can rebound, and you could throw in there for a couple minutes to just could he do some stuff? Uh, because as much as we love Looney, and uh, we might be doing this exact episode in like four seasons where we're like, what's your favorite Kevon Looney game? Uh, you know, he, he Looney's aside from last night's game against the Sixers hasn't been great. Right. So I, I, I'm not thrilled with it, but I do understand that again, this is just who they are historically. Kerr has been almost on a war path the last couple of games of, I want to keep this team. Yeah. I think we have something special and look, maybe that's delusional or, you know, it's he really feels that, but I wasn't surprised that nothing materialized, especially yeah. when Wiggins might have been the only piece there that was even attractive or within the realm of attraction for other teams. And he's sort of starting to figure some stuff right. out since Draymond's come back. So I, I, I assumed that nothing was going to happen. You hit both sides of it for me, right? Um, yeah. So here's what I was getting ready to say. I was getting ready to say I'm glad they stood pat because Wiggins might be figuring it out. It looked really good since Draymond came back. And of the major pieces they could add, the addition of two-way wigs, if he suddenly finds himself, you know, is better than anyone else they could bring back in, especially at $24 million a year. So I'm, I'm happy they didn't get rid of him. And this whole year has been, do the veterans have enough of a run in them? You know, and this seems to really be doubling down on that. But the thing that's making me question a little bit is there were all these little small moves. Andre Drummond, you mentioned. Kelly Olenek, you know, traded. Olenek, yeah. And there were, if, if they had made one of those small little adjustments, you know, there was an in-between here. You didn't have to go after a big player. But if they had brought in another piece, yeah, that would have been a higher grade for me. Maxime, how are you feeling about this stuff? Isn't it addition by subtraction with Corey Joseph not on the team? I felt like every time <laughs> he was on the floor... I couldn't wait for him to be off the floor. So Dunleavy Jr. did us all a favor by removing him from Kerr's rotation. I'm elated because I, I basically agree with Ben. We've said before, I don't think that there's anything that we really could have done that would have drastically moved the needle. It seems pretty rare to me that a coach who's doing as poorly in the overall standings as Steve Kerr is with the Warriors would say, hey, I don't want to change anything. I actually believe in the squad that I have right now. So I'm going to take that because if there's anybody that should be out there stumping for let's make some changes, it's the coach because then he can defer responsibility. He can say, no, it's not about me. It's about all these people that I just that are fucked. Like um, Steve Clifford with Charlotte. Did you see? He's like, 
yeah, these guys are just talentless. (laughs) (laughs) So like, at least Kerr is not saying that. And then the, the one thing that was by far the most miserable for me was watching Corey Joseph minutes. So I'm pretty happy with this trade deadline. I like that. I mean, looking back, you know, it's like the last scene of the sixth sense once you know it and then you revisit everything and it kind of switches over. So we now know they were testing Lester Quinones, you know, this last week and a half. They were kind of getting like, well, are you okay? Can you be as good as Corey Joseph? And then the second he showed yes, they're like, you, Kojo, get the fuck out. This is will (laughs) not be working for us. The funniest part of it is trading him to the closest proximity team (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Like, I think that was probably Dunleavy's first call. Because they were already flying. They, they probably saved even more money just because they already flown him there. So they didn't have to pay for his plane ticket or like anything else to get. They were just already there. They said, hey, Corey, they woke up Corey up from his pregame nap. And they said, hey, by the way, uh, Can you just walked to that. You, like, you live here now, <laughs> uh, which is just an incredible, tr- incredible trade method. I love that read. Do you think Mike D was in the same room as the Indies GM and was like, um, would you like Corey Joseph? Like, we, I was about to make some calls, but fuck, dude, you're yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah. Mike, like, Mike D was, uh, he's, he was taking a tour of the old, the, you know, his old digs. He was like, hey, is my jersey up in here? You know, he's looking for his old stuff. And then he just kind of threw it out there blindly. He's like, hey, you want Corey Joseph? He's, uh, okay. he, he saw Indy's GM eating a sandwich. He's like, that sandwich looks delicious. Give yeah. me that sandwich, a second round pick, and some cash. <laughs> yeah. Like, no problem, dude. Corey Joseph can play for you. <laughs> I'll buy right you lunch. Now. Yeah. Let's make yeah, this happen. Sandwich. Yeah. Um, hear the, the words Steve Kerr said out there and we're talking about it in the trade deadline setting. I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'll do it now. If you could, Ben, if there was a magic button ahead of you and you pressed it and the Warriors could trade Steve Kerr for Doc Rivers, would you press it? Ooh. Uh, I, I wouldn't. And that that's no, I'm not trying to shade Doc. I know he's still figuring things out over there in Milwaukee, but and this this may be kind of a, maybe a sentimental pick here, but with uh, I remember reading Anthony Slater's piece uh, on Kerr specifically, uh, you know, after um, after the passing of the assistant coach, uh, the passing of and and him him saying in that piece basically that Kerr was just he's like the perfect guy to navigate this type of stuff. Yep. Right. Like tragedy, and that's that's just on a whole. Other, I mean. That's just on a whole other level of basketball than than basketball, I should say, right? Like that's that's life in basketball. But I also think that as much shit as Kerr gets for his the lack of flexibility, kind of with his you know with the way they with the way they play, with his rotation choices, which I also understand when you're not even you know two games below five hundred and you're fighting for a freaking ten spot. Uh, the, the dude just whenever again this may be propaganda right when he's just like i believe in this team i this you know we figured something out when there's something about it where you're like oh and then when it translates to what they're doing on the court right like again again small very very small sample size i feel like we you know his his knowledge of just the core 3 especially uh and his his rapport with them is just it's invaluable at this point. If, if they're going to dig themselves out of anything, a coaching change would just be mm. worse, right? Exactly. Like the Bucks needed that because whatever was happening over there with Adrian Griffin was just not yeah. good. Right. Right. No, I, so 
totally agree. No way I press that button. I keep Kerr. And so look, we don't, this won't be a Kerr segment. And is he immune from criticism? No, of course not. Yeah, this year hasn't gone the way we wanted. Everybody gets some blame. Does Kerr get some? Yes. But the idea that switching him out would suddenly solve these things is ridiculous. And that's why I picked Rivers. You know, if like of anybody, I wouldn't, don't limit it to Rivers, although he was probably the best available coach out there. Of all the coaches who are out there dealing with this team right now in this scenario, Kerr is by far the best suited, you know, and he doesn't have to go through an awkward getting to know you period that the new coach would have to. So, I mean, that might change going forward um, if, if they have to start only developing people and it's no longer the vets run it back. But I think he's definitely the best guy for this. Um, let's wrap it up this way. Ben. So we normally do this segment, the glass half full, mm -hmm. where you look back at Warriors Hoop and you give you something you like or something you don't. But I'm going to make this one much more specific. Pull up that picture, the optical illusion for me, please, Maxime. So there's this old school picture. I remember seeing it when I was back in like grade school. And it's a picture. It depends on how you look at it. It's just all perspective. If you look at it from one angle, it looks like an old lady. If you look at it from another angle, it looks like a young woman. It just, it's, a, it's an illusion. It is what it is. And I bring this up because this year's team reminds me of this optical illusion. <laughs> it just depends on how you fucking look at it. You know, if I want to be optimistic, this is a veteran-laden team who has been bit by the injury bug and weird suspensions, and they haven't got to play together, and they've lost all these one-point games, and if they can just get an opportunity, get healthy, get a little bit luckier, sky's the limit. They can still do it, right? Or I could take the other look. Father Time has caught them, Ben. Right? The defensive scheme isn't working anymore. This Wiggins resurgence is bullshit. It's just Minnesota Wiggins. It's going to go back and forth. So it's just, it's the eye of the beholder. So with that as our setup, what do you see, man? You know, how do you, when you look at this team, because now the trade deadline's passed, they, they've got some buyout options, but really we know who's going to be on it. Do you see a team that still has a shot and can pull it together? Or, you know, is this a team that is, will be lucky to make the playoffs and, you know, we've already had the success? I think I'd lean more towards the, this is probably a team that will, maybe, maybe a little bit of both and, and maybe a cop out, but I think that they are going to start playing better. I mean, the numbers would suggest that, right? I mean, with the, with the new, not the newish line, but with the lineup with Wiggins and Kuminga, and now now that that's working with Draymond, obviously at the you know the being the fulcrum of that, you know I, I forget what the the plus minus was before Draymond came. Back. I think they were like a minus one hundred four or one hundred two yeah. or something like that, and now they're like a, a plus seventy two or something like that. Yeah, so. That. Great knowledge. I like that, you said, I'm not sure what it was, and then nailed the numbers specifically. Nicely done. I, it was in it was in Anthony Slater's article uh, this morning, and I remember reading it. And you know, th that's what they've been doing. So I see, I see them like, turning a little bit of a corner and fit, you know sneaking into the playoffs, or but not getting very far. I, I still think the top of the West, you know, your your Nuggets, your Timberwolves, your Clippers, right whoever they end up getting the thunder, even you could throw in there. It, it's not great. You know what I mean? And I th the thunder of those four are the ones where you're like, okay, maybe because they had them on the ropes basically yeah. every single time they played each other this, this season. But I mean, if the thunder end up at four, you, you know, you've, you've got to hope for you're not facing into the second round. So any of those top three teams, I don't think they're beating if they make the playoffs, right? I don't, 
they got to make the play again. This is so it's such a weird conversation to have with a Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson team led team to wonder if they're even going to make the play. And, and like I think they again they're they're right there, but it's still again in a one game one game situation. Uh, I I don't know if I'd fully trust this team to to figure it out. Yeah, if I squint, if I squint super 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 hard. Can I see the title team in this picture? Sure. You know, absolutely. If if I'm not looking at it through rose-tinted glasses, maybe not. You know what I mean? Like, um, to make it into a betting analogy, if this was a money line, you know, yeah. I was betting 100 to win 100, and, and it was on whether or not the Warriors are going to win the championship this year, well, I'm definitely not fucking betting that. You know? But yeah. if it's like a lottery ticket, you know, if, if I can bet 100 to win, you know, 20,000 or something, am I willing to take the chance? Sure. I can... I can squint and make out the outline of a successful team. Maxime, what do you see? Well, it's interesting because when I squint, that's when I'm more likely to see the old lady. Um, but I'm literally talking about the picture and not about this Warriors team. So I spent the majority of the time trying to figure it out and I finally see it. It turns out if you use the collar of the woman, then you can see the old lady. But most the people mouth. are... Yeah, uh, the collar of the woman is the mouth of right. the old lady. Yeah, that, really, that really helped me unlock it, which is this is fantastic podcast content. Um for an audio-only medium, I think the, the listeners must be really appreciating. Yeah, they can't see us squinting, which is probably good for... <laughs> for at least they can't see we're, we're, we're trying really hard over here. Just... <laughs> um, I, I, I believe because Kerr believes. That's really what it comes down to. I've, still, I've been such a proponent of Kerr as the person that is the right coach for this team because it is run by Steph Curry. And if Steph Curry needs somebody like Kerr to be his coach then Kerr is the best coach for the job. And if the best coach for the job is saying, I believe in this squad to make a run, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my weight behind that. Most important question before we turn the page on this segment. Did I land the optical illusion analogy? I was real. I mean, I saw again behind the curtains. I texted both of these boys this picture and promised I'll make this make sense, which added weirdo pressure. I started getting really nervous as we turned the corner into this picture, Ben. So you do this shit for a living. What do you think, man? I I have to press a little bit too far using like... No, no, no. I, I think in the in the context of making it work for the conversation, I think it, I think it worked great. I'm really trying really hard right now to see the old lady. This, yeah, this is, not, this yeah, is the mean, hardest it, I've, I've worked all day and it was traded <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll cut this part because no one can fucking watch it. Oh, there it is. Okay. There it is. Yeah, and then you Whoa, get that was... <laughs> Holy shit. There you go. That was yeah, crazy. Fucking, all Incredible right. optical illusion. All right, back to the Warriors. Um, let's get to uh, the main portion of this podcast. And I'll, I'll also give us a quick plug. We have Sam Gordon, the Warriors new beat writer, joining us tomorrow morning. And so we'll have a full trade deadline pod coming out. And in fact, if you're listening to this on Friday, it will probably be available by Friday afternoon, maybe Saturday morning. So it is coming. But to the clay section, right? So I'm calling this Pivot or Pasture. And uh, it's a title I am blatantly stealing from Marcus Thompson, as you know, Ben, who wrote an article basically entitled exactly that. And really what we're looking at is his future. What should we do? And it's an emotional topic, dude. Um, his tie to this area go deeper than I feel like most athletes would because it's not just incredible success. If you have an incredible success here in the Bay, we will love you forever, regardless right. of what you do. Uh, Barry Bonds never won a fucking title, but people still love him here despite being an asshole. Clay <laughs> not only won four titles, 
but brought an incredible fucking personality. You know, mm -hmm. there was a vulnerability to him. And so it's like having like the class clown also be a star fucking athlete. And those two things have created a relationship between he and this area that, that is unusual. Yeah. And so watching him kind of struggle is, is hard. And so talking this out, that's why I picked you. That's why we need you. We need, we need somebody who's been going through this for a while. All right. So before we look at the future, let's underline how much we like this dude and talk about the past favorite clay moment. What, what's, when I say that, what comes up? So I was, I was in the arena for this and that, that has a lot to do with it. Um, was his 37 point quarter against the Kings. Uh, and just for some background on that, I, I was working at Bleach Report at the time and Bleach Report had season tickets to the Warriors. So again, 41 games. Uh, and at the beginning of the season, we just submitted our names for like, hey, I want to go to a game at some point. Um, and you could, you know, you could either put in a, you know, you could choose which games, or you could just say, hey, like, pick a day. Uh -huh. So I just said, hey, any any Fridays, uh, I'll take a game. And even then, you're not guaranteed it. I remember getting this game, time and wife. Oh, we got two tickets. It was again a, a January, mid January game. Uh, and then we go in the first half. If you remember. The Warriors were damn near lost. They were losing. They weren't playing well. It was, or it was, it was, it might have been tied at the half. And then there's, there's video of me having a religious experience <laughs> as he just keeps making buckets. <laughs> and it was my, my wife uh, was recording it. Or, you know, she's my fiance at the time, but she was recording me because she, she'd never seen me like, like I'm, I'm an, I'm a maniac when it comes to sports, right? But this was, I, I didn't even have an adult beverage or anything. I was just, I had no idea what I was seeing. And just screaming, not words, just into the air. <laughs> and just watching it happen, the buzz that was in that arena is, is something I'll never forget. Um, and, and just watching that bench, because I, I love a good bench reaction. Right, That's oh, one yeah. of my favorite things to watch. That bench was... The, I'm surprised they didn't get more texts. They were they were damn near on the floor the entire quarter, and the video of that was so wild that my wife included it on our save the dates uh, for oh. our invitations for our wedding because it was a couple of months later. And every uh, the responses that we get were like, "Oh yeah, you well, we you know we got your save your uh, YouTube save the date. We tried to save some money, and then they were like, "What were you screaming at?" <laughs> we had a Warriors game. I'm like, yeah, it was, it was the Clay Thompson game. So that is my favorite game. Uh, I, I still, it's one of those games I still go back and watch on YouTube because again, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing it on YouTube, um, or I saw on TV at the time. Yeah, and sure. but to be in that arena for that experience, to be in Oracle again, it's just one of these you know magical Oracle moments. And there've been some. This was my favorite Clay Clay moment. It's up there as one of my favorite Warriors moments. Period. Too the one send us that video i mean ASAP, yeah. if you have it now fucking play it we'll, yeah. we'll put it in here um two and it, and it kind of puts them together so easy answer and i want to say that here's why i can't so i split season tickets uh we yeah. split it with two other people and one of the people we split it with is this guy named and had tickets to that game and he constantly refers to like what an incredible experience it was to be able to watch it in person yeah and he says that what i hear is fuck you i had the tickets and you didn't 
And so like, it's, it's completely screwed up that entire memory for me. You know, like I, <laughs> I view it as something I didn't get to experience as opposed to something that like we all got to share. So that's the kind of sick fuck I am, Ben, yeah. um, <laughs> which is not surprising to anybody. Uh, and it actually leads to the follow-up question I was going to ask you. So splitting season tickets, Bleacher Report, um, 41 games, were you ever bitter? Like, did anybody, like somebody you thought was maybe lower on the totem pole went to a game that you wanted to go? Like, was there ever a moment like, fuck this guy? Like, that, that 100% should yeah. be me. No, I mean, so that was, obviously they won the championship that year. So th there was no other game that was that memorable at home, mm. I think, for that that stretch that we had this. Um, there, the, the one that I was jealous of was the so there were finals tickets available that year, and the game know? one. So game one, we obviously won, and you know it's the NBA Finals, the Warriors' first time, and you know what was at that time forty years. So the game one, I was a little jealous of, but I couldn't have been that jealous because I I won it for game two. You still got to go. So, but but then game two was the one that they lost. They lost that close game against the Cavs where LeBron at the end throws the ball. He like slams the ball on the ground and it bounces higher. I, I, I remember watching that in person in the exact same seats as the Clay Thompson moment and wanting to burn my corneas because <laughs> I just I was so mad. I was just the first finals game of my life and the, the team lost, you know, Maxime, is it OK? That after I bared my soul to Ben and told him like all I wanted to do is be at that game. Thirty seconds later, he's like, "Well, there's only really one game that was that memorable from that season, and it was the game that you didn't go to." It's just like him fucking like poking me in the eye right when all I right. told him. Yeah, this no, this and, is and maybe it's just me having a bad memory or just I'm again I had a, like a religious experience that night. I might have blacked out for the rest of I might have blocked out that entire season <laughs> except for <laughs> that game and the finals. You know what I mean? Yeah, the only thing I remember during those 37 points is me saying, fuck Nate, over and over and over and over again. So whatever. Again, I'm a sick bastard. At nine uh, for nine. when the <laughs> Especially, yeah. That's, that's good. Favorite Clay moment for me, game six, OKC, where Clay Six's name was born. Um, and really, it was like what I was prepared for versus what happened. Because it felt like we were done, man. You know, like oh God, with yeah. all that shit gets lost because of 2016 and what happened in the next series. But that that comeback and what that actually occupied and the funeral I was getting ready for and then the celebration it turned into, like that juxtaposition was unbelievable, you know? And then the, just because no conversation about Clay is complete without at least saying scaffolding conversation and signing a toaster. I mean, like those oh, yeah. things, you know, they, they got to be there. Uh, what are we missing, Maxine? What's your favorite? Well, that's what I was going to sort of bring up the the off-court stuff because I think as we've sort of alluded to in, in previous portions of this conversation, what makes Clay so special is that he's the combination of 37 points in a quarter, lights out three-point shooter, the most perfect shooting form in the whole league, and is just as entertaining off the court. So sure, there's the signing of the toaster, there's the scaffolding. I also remember I was watching like a sicko hours of post-game press conferences um, the first time he took his box score in front of him and folded it into a paper airplane, airplane. and tossed it into the crowd. And it was like, who is this man? I, his, his first season when he was still like sort of an unknown rookie, uh, he lived on the towers, uh, right on Lake Merritt. And I know that because I was at uh, tacos me rancho getting myself a burrito 
And this like tall ass dude rolls up on a skateboard, you know, and it's like, oh, it's it's Clay Thompson. And and uh, and he was like really gregarious and, you know, like pretty quick, just like grabbed that he'd already called in the order. And so he was out as soon as he was in, you know, already had sort of the NBA buzz. But it's that sort of man of the people thing that he can be that amazing on the court and that personable, that completely himself off the court. It's what makes all of this stuff around him becoming mortal so much more devastating because he feels like a friend. Like Steph Curry feels like a god who like has this perfect life with his wife and his kids and is like, you know, actually like Christian and seems like a good man and all these things. I'm like, I don't I don't understand how you exist. Clay Thompson, like I literally saw him in the flesh. He lived in a building on this, you know, on the same lake that I lived on. All of that stuff makes him makes him like feel like my friend. Of course, it's the relatability. What, what what's one of the things that sets Steph apart isn't just his excellence; it's his physique. It makes it makes him relatable. You know, we can associate with him. Clay's physique isn't relatable. He's a big, you know, he's a fucking NBA player. He's he's giant. It's his personality that makes him relatable. You know, and I actually have a random ass Clay man on the street burrito story for you. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, I I know that Clay frequents the burrito sh- uh, shop over in Montclair because that's the one I've gone to. And I was in the uh, shop when he was in there, and we were all like desperately pretending that we weren't watching everything he did, and nothing happened in the burrito shop. But I left first and then came up with some bullshit reason to just hang around until he came out. It was like 15 minutes of me just standing out there for no reason. And then Clay came out and on his way to his car, he ran into this kid who had a skateboard. And for no reason at all, he asked that kid, is that skateboard yours? And I remember thinking like, whose fucking skateboard would it be? Like, what are you talking about, dude? And like, you know, the kid said yes. And that was the whole interaction. But it was, like, it was such a random ass uh, interaction that is stuck with me. And I'm surprised that I have not shared this. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. Relatability. We love him. That was great. Let's make it hard. Yeah. Mm. So now some change needs to happen. Uh, I, Clay has been up and down. He looked fairly good uh, in a win last night. Uh, is not playing against Philly today. It sounds like he got sick. But I, you know, even the biggest Clay supporter would have to say that this season has not gone the fucking way that we would like it to. All right. So the first question is, what change does he need? Does he need a new role in Golden State? Does he need a new team in general? Or does he need a new job? Has father time simply cut up with him and he should no longer be in the NBA? Um, I have keep passing these questions off. I'll go first. New role. It's not, it, I, I do not think it's a new job. That's preposterous. I do think that a new team would be a huge advantage to him. I mean, kind of a new mm-hmm. start and I can see that, but I'm way too selfish to suggest that. So best case scenario for me here is, and I'll explain this a little bit further in our next question, is he accepts a new role, takes a little bit less money next year, you know, and then we kind of explore this new role and new uh, monetary compensation slot as we go forward. But that's my answer. What do you boys got? I I have 
some combination of new role and something off the board, new mindset. So mm. that's kind of what I pulled from reading Marcus's piece um, on yeah. Clay is that there's still a good basketball player in there, right? It's just his mindset still is of someone who is an all-star, yep. who's an all-NBA player. And that, while you need that type of confidence to play in the NBA, at this point, it may be a hindrance to him, right? Because he's still, he's chasing that, right? And, and we can have all these conversations we want. Kirk can have all these conversations we want about stop, you know, chasing shots. Stop, yep. you know, fit in where you get in type of thing. Um, and, you know, it was a big story when Guy Santos closed over him, right? Even though that's not necessarily really the first time that that's happened this year. But for, again, for, for someone like Guy Santos, I get it. Yeah, right, I yeah. get why that's a story. Of course. But if Clay can, not, and I, this might be getting into a lot of psychoanalyzation of, of Clay Thompson, which I don't know if I'm quite qualified to do because I'm, I don't have a degree in that. But Fine. I mean, I also understand he's he missed two years of his prime, right? Just tears his ACL, tears his Achilles, and you think to, he he's still thinking to himself, "I'm still that guy." Yep. So I get it. I get why he struggles with it. Now that being said, if he can be a guy who just realizes, "Look, I, I'm not going to average, you know, twenty twenty two points anymore," but I can average. 14 to 18 points a game on much more efficient shooting numbers, right? Because if you look at his, if you look at his splits, right, it's 17 points a game on, was it like 42% from, or 40, 42% from the field and then 37% from three, right? 38, I guess, if you want to round up. For a lot of players in the NBA, that's not a bad stat line, right? That's, that's not, really right. Yep. You're, but, the only difference with Clay Thompson is obviously the contract, right? A lot of these guys who want those numbers aren't making $42 million a year, whatever it is Clay is making. Now, and I get he's chasing, he's chasing another contract, right? That's also a big part of this. But he, he's also had these moments of reflection this year where, you know, he's, he said he had that conversation with Kerr, right? Just kind of reflecting on his career, four time NBA champion. He's going to go down as arguably the second if not the best, the second best shooter of all time. Yep. And I think once he fully embraces this mindset of like, hey, there's nights I might not close. Oh, like, a, like a Chris Paul situation. Chris Paul's had to do it. Obviously, he's a little older than him. But I think what would be most helpful for Clay is just is to embrace the, I'm not necessarily an all-star anymore. That doesn't mean I'm not still really fucking good. That's exactly right. Fucking, uh, which are a plus also player. Be, be a plus player. And, you know... We don't have, you know, in a, the Hawks situation, right, where he was just awful. And the, the, in a situation like that, why are you still taking nineteen shots? Yes, you know what I mean. Last night he took twelve, blew, blew, blew the Sixers out, right? And Steph didn't even play well, uh, you know, against Brooklyn for all that shit that he caught for not closing. You know, he took nine shots. You know, minus one. He didn't. He didn't really hurt the team that much. Yep. But again, the Hawks game is a uh, is a prime example of like, stop chasing who you used to be, be who you are now. Wait, you under you underline a bunch of things I like. Um, one kind of bringing us back to a previous conversation. You underline why Kerr's the guy we need right now. 
You know, sure. if, if you had to hand pick somebody, anybody to have that conversation with, with Clay and explain, you know, there's a mentality I'd love you to have. You pick her. I mean, there's no mm -hmm. fucking question, you know? And so to have him be the guy who can hopefully usher us through this, I think is gold. Um, well, before I give this next step, Maxine, what do you think? New role, new location, new job. No, I think we're all in agreement that it's a new role. I, Ben, made, you made a really good point that reminded me earlier in the season in my fantasy basketball league, whoever had drafted Clay dropped him, put him on waivers. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. So of course I picked him up because he's better than that. And I, and I think we all collectively, Clay included, are seeing this binary. It's either he's all-star or, or he's useless. He shouldn't even be on my squad. And that's ridiculous. So it does seem like a new mindset is more of what's necessary. There is a role for Clay on a basketball team. And I don't actually, I'm not so sure that it would be better, Bram, if he went to a different basketball team for him personally. It might be so demoralizing. That might be the final nail on the coffin. I think he really associates his identity with being in the Bay Area, with being able to drive his boat to the, to the Chase Center. You know, the, the lifestyle that he's built and the way that he presents as a person Maybe it would be benefited by going to another spot, but I, I doubt it. I think that might be pretty hard for him. So yeah, new role, new mindset. This makes sense to me. This is like a fucking three-team fantasy league? What do you mean he got dropped? <laughs> like, I, that's that's insane, dude. Like, I, I, it was I'm very upset. Whoever that is, if he listens, go fuck yourself. That's a ridiculous <laughs> fucking move. Um, so, all right, figuring out his new role. And Akka's you know, across the board, either mentality or new role. I think that's a very important way to look at it. And I'll add this. So even if the Warriors are not speeding towards a title, right? I mean, what we all just said, there's a chance of it, but it's it's a possibility. It's not a probability. The Lake Cubs stewardship has helped me view these seasons different. It used to be just fucking be entertained by the Warriors, right? Now it's, well, even if they're not winning a title, hopefully they're moving towards the next title. You know, there's there's some kind of development, something's going on. So this season, one of the things they would need to happen to move towards the next title is already happening. JK's leap, right? He's getting the time. He's, he's figuring out his mentality. So like, even if they don't win this year, what's happening this year will help them. It's moving them in that direction. Another enormous thing that could happen this year that would help them is exactly what we're talking about. Figuring out who Clay Thompson is going forward. Because if they can figure out a new mentality, a new salary slot, a new role, you know, that that's you're you're opening up an entirely new way to approach that title ship. Um, and so what should the new role be? Uh, and this goes, it's almost like matching both mentality and role. If Clay cannot step out of this mentality of shoot first, right? Like if the ball comes to me, I'm firing it up, then his new role for me is Deion Waiters. Put him on the bench. Have him come in as the second unit and then fucking fire away, Clay. And if it, you know, if it's hitting, great, off you go. Chris Paul is gonna will will make sure that that ball continues to hit in your hands. And if it doesn't, well, you know, it's not tonight. Fine. We'll we'll see what's going on, you know, tomorrow night. That'd be excellent. If that's not, you know, if, if he doesn't want that, if he doesn't want all or nothing, and he's capable of of accepting a lower role and still being starter, something like Kevin Herter, you know, somebody who can just stand on the outside, take advantage of the spacing that Steph creates, and just hit the fucking three. Take the open threes, you know, not not the in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock three, the once it's been worked around three or four times, now you're open in the corner, fire those up. 
So that's that's the role I'd like to see him occupy. What do you guys think? I'm I'm just in more in the 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 smarter shot selection role, right? Like, and I think this is where you know he he struggles a lot, right? Because he's still again against Lakers, twenty four shots against the Grizzlies, fifteen shots, nineteen shots against the uh, against the Hawks. He he shouldn't be shooting that much anymore. You know <laughs> what I mean? And as, as ridiculous as that sounds for someone who is as elite of a shooter as he is. He's still he's still being guarded that way. It's just he's not making it the same clip, right? So by that, you, you just have to be smarter with it, right? If if the ball gets swung to you and someone's closing out, you don't have it. Great, pass it, pass it back out. You will figure it out. Um, and it, maybe again, 12, 15 shots for for Clay Thompson. It, that sounds great. And again, yeah. if if they're operating at the right capacity and the right clip, they are. They're getting him open shots, right? Yep. Like this, this new Kuminga Steph pick and roll, or you know, with Steph setting the screen, it's devastating. It's it's wild to watch because this, when you watch Kuminga go downhill, the defense bends immediately, right? Yes. And you know, he's he's become a better passer um, in that light, or he's still be he's still learning to become a better passer. And but as he becomes an elite passer, oh, man, like Clay's gonna get wide open shots and they're going to be his efficiency is going to shoot up and it really does it matter if you're taking 12 to 15 shots or maybe even less 10 shots but you're shooting at a higher higher clip versus you know you're getting all these shots off but you're shooting a career low like you are this year you know what i mean so i think it's just that kind of adjustment you spoke earlier about taking sports too hard. So this is a shock, Ben. So do I, dude. I take this shit <laughs> way too hard. And as you were saying that, I realized, at least in that, like, Clay is that thin line between love and hate for me. Because I'll, I'll be watching a game, and I'll be, like, deep in nostalgia. Like, ah, oh, I fucking, like, he looks a little slow. Like, I hate, I hate that he looks a little slower, and I love him. And I you know, what, a, what a huge part. And then, you know, four or five, six missed shots. Later, I'm furious. Like, pass the fucking ball, dude. Like, why, yeah. why do you have to tank every one of these shots? And then the game ends, and he has a sad interview. And then I'm, you know, right back to love. And like, oh, why can't we just accept this guy? Um, and it goes both ways. In fact, here, let's play a sad interview. Um, here, Ben, is a clip I'm sure you've already seen uh, from Clay after the Brooklyn win when he had to sit behind Guy Santos. And what I'm ultimately going to ask both of you, because what this clip I think illustrates is the mental hell that Clay is in. This is a really mm -hmm. hard fucking adjustment for him. So we'll hear how he's dealing with it. I'm going to ask you boys, how would you deal with it? Let's play the clip. How you feeling? I feel great. Yeah, physically. Mentally, probably a little different story. But such is life. You know? When you say that, I mean, just is it just a shooting struggle? Shooting. Uh, yeah. You know, pride myself. Yeah. That stuff. So. What are they talking about? You ain't played to finish the game? I got a bench game five of the finals. Who the fuck cares? Well, I haven't asked that yet, but I will now. Huh? I said, I haven't asked it yet. But... Oh, you, you like your box with I'll answer it for you. Already. Uh, I mean, you I mean, you didn't post that. That's obviously going to be a story. That's all good. Yeah, these guys played great. He played great. EP, Jonathan. Yeah, they, oh, when he all. all right, so Ben, 
if you were going through this, that, you know, Splash Brother, man, uh, a foundational piece of a dynasty, a beloved superstar, you, you know, you're not, you know, this season's going down. And while your decline is happening, your Splash Brother is not declining at all. You know, he's, he's looking fucking unbelievable. How would you deal with this? And even before you ask it, or sorry, answer it, I want to throw out, I loved Draymond's take during that. I loved how, how protective he was. You know, he didn't even wait till Slater to ask the question. He overheard what was happening and was like, fuck that, fuck you guys for even going into this. But um, I digress because I'd love to hear, how would you deal with this, man? I mean, to Maxine's point from earlier, this is why, honestly, we've grown to love who Clay is, right? Because he's willing to bear his soul like this. I mean, he's there's so many times where we've heard players kind of go to the chalk answer of I'm not bothered by it, mm -hmm. right? And Clay, they, or sorry, they'll, they'll say I'm not bothered by it. We won the game. Shout out to the young guys for for pulling it off. When it's why wouldn't you be bothered by it? And Clay did both. He shouted out his the young guys, right? Gee, Brandon Pajemski, uh, Kaminga. But, but while also accepting his own mortality, he's just a, I, I'm not as good, and that's wild to accept when he's probably been the best player on his team, probably since he was what a teenager. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. So we're and he's what now 33. So we're approaching probably damn near 20 years of just basketball dominance, and you know all of a sudden we're shocked that. Or like you know, people are acting shocked that he's feeling some type of way about it. It's it, it's it's great because it's completely normal. I mean, again, again, if you were doing something at a high level for twenty years and all of a sudden you just weren't as good at it anymore, I you ask how I would deal with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be be good. I wouldn't be dealing <laughs> with it well, right? If I if all of a sudden I couldn't connect this microphone to whatever yeah. I'm using yeah. to record, right. like I had, I I would be in shambles. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it's completely human nature. So it's I think the way he's dealt with it has been honestly when he's gotten a little combative with with the reporters. You're, that's where you're like, what's what's up, man? Like yeah. we get it. Yep. You're you're struggling, you know, on the court right now, which is probably affecting your mood. You don't got to take it out. I, that though, there are moments where I'm like, all right, Clay, maybe scale it back a little bit. But when there were these are the moments where. You honestly have glimmers of hope of what I was talking about earlier that he is willing to change a mindset. Yeah. And, yeah. and to your point of accepting a different role because it's he still wants to be part of a winning situation and a winning organization. So let him process it. it it's 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 wild to <laughs> to have to have to watch someone go through you know kind of a uh, a fork in the road a little bit in real time every single night. Mm -hmm. Right, it's 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 wild to see, and look, that's where that's what we are here to do is to analyze what what they're doing. Yep. Yep. It's just, it's I can only imagine what it must be like uh, I, dealing with that. I would be worse than you. So here, let's here's here's my my assumption. Yeah, it was. It's not just that he's been the best basketball player, you know, since a teenager. He, he his dad was a hoop player, right? Sure. And so, yeah. He, when he decided to play basketball, expectations were enormous. And mm -hmm. then he came out and met them. Like immediately, I bet you he was the best basketball player every single time he touched a floor until he reached the NBA. 
Sure. Then, you know, then he has unmatched success, fucking four titles. Yeah. And then after that, those two nasty injuries. What would you be telling yourself in the darkest of those recoveries? You know, when you're going through the physical therapy shit that you hate, you'd be replaying. When I get through this, when I get through this, I'm getting right back to the mountaintop. And then when you actually went out there and you couldn't do what you had been telling yourself, all I have to do is get back out there. You couldn't do it anymore. The, the angst that would cause me would be fucking impossible. So what would I do? I would, I'd say the right things, but I would purposely give you every body indication that I hated this. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so happy for the young guys, but my body, like, uh, like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd want you to know this was killing me while also acknowledging, I know what I'm supposed to be saying, you know, but I, yeah, there's no, I couldn't fucking negotiate this, man. There's, there's, I am pissy on like, if I have to take my wife's car instead of mine, if there's some change I didn't see, the idea of not being able to do what I've always been able to do would, would be gut-wrenching. And the other thing with Clay, too, is he, of the three of them, right, of the of the core three, of, of uh, him, Steph, and Draymond, he's probably been the most combative with also father time, right? He's He's been the one that pushed back, I think, the hardest yeah. of those three. Steph is apparently an alien or something like that, so he doesn't even address it. Uh, Draymond, I think, has punched Father Time in the face, uh, <laughs> both figuratively and where it's like he's still he's still playing at the same elite level, right? Because it, it was his superpower wasn't his physical his yeah. physical prowess; it was just his mind, right? He's he's one of the best basketball minds to ever play this game, and Clay was a combination of for someone who was who is just lauded for his shooting ability still pretty damn athletic for yep. uh you know at you know on on the rise up and at his prime and he lost 2 years of that right he lost 2 years of his prime two of the most devastating injuries you can have as a basketball player and i feel like almost his path to getting here was clouded by the fact that <laughs> the first year he was able to come back was probably more of a dream than anything, right? It's mm. in his first game back against the Cavs, dunk right off, right off yeah. within minutes, right? We all lose our minds. And then they win the freaking championship that yeah. year, right? So I almost don't blame him the next year or in, and even the beginning of this year for saying, like, no, we still got it. Yeah. We're yeah. Good. I, have, I didn't play basketball for two years, coming off a championship. I, I dunked, you know what I mean? Like all of these mental checklists that he was probably going through in his head when he was rehabbing where perception, his perception of what it was going to be like that, you know, at 33, he yep. was still going to be on this path of still being an elite player. And he's, I think that's the hardest thing for him to grasp, which is totally also makes a lot of sense, right? He's still a very good player, but even that, that, decreasing from an elite player to right. a very good player must be really hard to accept. Oh, that's exactly right. Uh, Maxime, I'm going to give you a harder question. All right. Great. So we're, we've been dealing with this subjectively. How would you subjectively deal with this shit? Switch over objectively as a fan. All right. This, this team, the warriors have been defined by sacrifice more than anything else. Andre comes here, six men, CP three comes here, comes off the bench, you know. I mean, that's 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 what we have been taught: strength in numbers. Um, while justified, 
you could argue that Clay's facial expressions and frustration and all this other shit doesn't have anything to do with the Warriors, has everything to do with Clay. You know, it's it's a kind of a selfish thing. So objectively, as a fan, do you have any problem with how he's dealing with this? Or no, you know, this this is just part of he's a human and he's allowed to go through this process. Uh Andre Iguodala came to us from the Denver Nuggets. CP3 came to us after a long and storied career on teams not called the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson is the homegrown star. It just it just hits different for me as a fan, not for him. I mean, for him too, right? But for me as a fan, I give him more grace in this. He also won us, was instrumental in winning us four championships. Like, if you don't think that that's enough as a fan base, you're fucking spoiled. This is, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, this happens once in a lifetime, anywhere, at best. You know, like the Milwaukee Bucks are happy to have won one title and they should be happy to have won one title because it's unbelievably difficult. So I don't I you know, would I like him to be slightly more mentally sound so that he could more easily switch into the Dion Waiters type role, which, by the way, is, I think, a, a perfect comparison of the direction that he should be going in. Yeah. Do I blame him? No. If this is if this is the extent of what he's capable of doing it is still, I would take that a hundred times out of a hundred for everything that came before it. Ben, you're going to be our definitive answer. All right. Um, for me, I need a little bit more time before I can give you a real response. Uh, is it okay that he's done it through half of this season? Yes. I mean, what do you expect? He's not a computer. He's always shown his humanity so that he's showing his humanity. Now we can't really take a shot at him. Fast forward a year. This mm. shit's still happening. Mm. You know, if he if he is still going out of his way to show everyone in that arena how disgusted he is with his play that evening, no, not anymore. You can't. I mean, I as as a fan watching the game, I feel awkward at some points. You know, when he when he's hitting his head after missed shots and uh, not celebrating after Steph hits a three, like that that stuff sticks out. And so, can I forgive it up till now? Yes. Can it continue without without me being able to justify it anymore? No, not for me. Ben, what do you think? I think it... Well, so <clears throat> if we're looking ahead to next year, he won't be making $40 million. Nope. Right? So I feel like any mm. behavior that's you know a little bit outside of our expectations is a little bit more palatable. Yeah. Right? And it, I, I hate to tie you know our expectations to, to money, but it's hard. Right? Again, like this dude is averaging... 17 points, still shooting 37% from three. Yeah. And we're wondering what's wrong with this dude. Yeah, right. But again, if he's making 20 million next year or 15, yep. are we, are we upset? I don't, I don't. And again, let's, it's also probably him being upset that he's not living up to that, mm. that expectation, right? Yep. He, he comes, you know, as much as Clay is this guy who seems like he just smokes a ton of weed and is just super chill and hangs out with his dog. Which is all, which are all probably very true. He's he's a competitor. Like, and a lot of what I've learned in, in working with with Austin Rivers too is just like he's competitive in everything. He's competitive with himself in podcasting, right? And I can only imagine what he was like when he was on the court. And and Clay is again, he's he's been to the mountaintop numerous times, right? He he's seen what true when he's unlocked his full greatness what that is and again he's probably just constantly chasing that ghost mm -hmm. and that must be really hard 
Yeah. Um, and again, the $40 million cloud, whether we want to ignore it or not, it's it's there for everyone, Clay included. Of course. Uh, I've assumed that you guys stopped doing Lost in the Sauce because Austin got tired of losing. And you don't have to answer that one way or the other, but like I... I, I, no, no, it's, we, uh, I I've pitched it a couple of times. It's, it's not, it, will, it will never die. I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking straight into the camera. Exactly. It will never die. I respect it. Last question. All right, I'm going to give you some over-unders, and it has to do with the contract you would give Clay Thompson if it was right now. All right. First number, Kevin Herter's contract, $17 million a year. Over or under for Clay Thompson? Uh, a little over. Yep, a little. Oh, I'm, I'm, I take the over as well. All right. Not Next Two. number, Andrew Wiggins, $24 million. Over or under for Clay? Oh, uh, under. I think it's right about there, right? It's like it's in between these two. It's somewhere in that like early 20s number. Yeah, I would go under. Yeah. Do you agree, Maxim? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, the next time we talk to you, Ben, we'll be like, you know what? Pay him 40 million. He is somehow <laughs> Max him out. out. Yeah. <laughs> He's worth every dollar. Uh, I'll say it for a third time because now I can celebrate it hand selected for this episode and you kicked ass per usual ben we fucking miss you for people who need way more cruise in their life where do they go uh you can follow me at cruise control on twitter uh, instagram and uh everything we're doing at the the ringer nba show um over at the ringer and if you for all of you who are warriors and wrestling fans the ringer wrestling show uh rest, it's wrestlemania season the Rock is back, so um, which has pissed people off uh, say, yeah, in, in all in all kinds of ways that you could never imagine. But you, if you want to hear us talk about it for the next what the uh, next fifty eight days, <laughs> we got you over at the Ring of Wrestling Show. Well, if you want to find us, I'll be in a dark room hating for going to that clay game. Uh, <laughs> we're also on social media and a bunch of different sites. And you want to get us an email, a question, an opinion, anything? You can shoot us an email too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. That in mind, go Warriors! Hopefully, see you real soon. Good, good. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.